Welcome to Collisions YYC, Beyond the Echo. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. In this special series of episodes, I tackle the question of how does the world see Calgary and what can we learn from it? This is a journey of curiosity, of taking the time to gain the insights of the people that are outside of our day-to-day conversations. I'm seeking to learn where there are gaps, misunderstandings, and most importantly, opportunities for us to grow. During this intense period of economic transformation, I'm not willing to leave any stone unturned that may give us an advantage for the road ahead. Join me as I chat with thought leaders, innovators, and the movers and shakers of the world to learn their perceptions of our amazing city from beyond the echo. Mr. Corey Jensen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. You are the co-founder of AltaML, and we're going to have you on. We're, we're just chatting on where you fit in from the from an episode perspective, and I think we're going to go down the road of beyond the echo because you have an interesting perspective in the sense that you're in Edmonton, you've got an office in Calgary. But am I clear to say you guys were an Ed- Edmonton startup? You got you got your start a little little three a few hours north of Calgary. That's right. Uh, I, you know, born and raised in Edmonton, but uh, um, but Calgary is also uh, a, a huge part, if not the future, of the business, right? And I'm sure we'll get into that on the AI yeah, space, okay. but uh, so, yes. so so yeah. I mean, we're 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 in town, but uh, uh, you know, definitely still trying to become an honorary Calgarian. Put it that way. All right. Well, this is a step in the right direction. Let's put the you know. I'm not saying I have any pull in that department, but I'll see what I can. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> let's let's start with the basics. Talk to us a little bit about. Alta ML. I've heard your name tons. You guys are definitely out there on 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 the scene. People are talking about you, but let's uh, give the audience a chance to understand a little bit who you are and what's the company behind the scenes, behind the name. Sure. Let me. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll take you back then. Sorry. Just so my my background. I've been in in tech in Alberta for about twenty years. Uh, previous business was a, a financial website called Investopedia that we sold to Forbes about a decade ago. So I had no plans of getting back my, my wife and I, my wife's my co-founder, my wife, Nicole. Uh, and so we had no plans of actually getting back in the startup game again. Um, we were just investing kind of, you know, I made a few digital media investments and eventually came across this group in the faculty of science at the university of Alberta. And I'm, this is such an Edmonton or an Edmonton or an Albertan thing. Like I had no idea this amazing talent that we had right here in our backyard. So a lot of people just don't realize this, that the U of A has actually been a top 10 school in terms of academic research in AI and uh, in artificial intelligence and machine learning over the last 20 years. So, you know, we've got this really small tech ecosystem. This is nascent, right? We'll talk about the potential, I'm sure, right? But, you know, we started this project working with them and you know what? We were blown away by the talent, um, but kind of quickly soon realized that you know, academia is not set up for commercialization. And, and so, so it, it, you know, this light bulb moment came off where it's like, we've got the most sought after job title on the planet right here in Alberta, right? But we were losing like 90% of the grads. Going out, leaving the province. And what was it? What, just to be clear, what was the, what is this? What was the job title specifically? Uh, What's the like? They would be like ML engineer. Yeah, you you said we've got we've got we've got these goat like at the time and currently these specific, very specific job titles that are so that are so coveted. I always I never want to leave yeah, any yeah, blanks yeah. for the audience. Data I want to make sure everybody gets a ML engineer. Um, you know the, the, this okay. most sought after job title in in data science is you know it's not like they're unemployed um, leaving to the valley or leaving to Toronto, right? But it just it it, right. it it's the um, it, it's the good and bad of, of energy, right? Like, uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, right. oil and gas has been amazing to this province over the past few decades, obviously, but it's, it, I, I don't think it's 
debatable it has crowded out the tech ecosystem a little bit, or maybe some might debate, but I would argue that. And so part of, as, as you graduate with a master's or a PhD in AI and you go, okay, I can look and I can get a hundred jobs in Toronto or 500 in the Valley and there's none in Edmonton. Well, you know, you've got this amazing academic institution, but then people are building some of the most amazing breakthroughs in AI. They're just doing it in London or in San Francisco or in Toronto. Uh, curious, even the the foresight, you know, 15, 20 years ago for the U of A to put something like that in place, like that doesn't happen overnight that you start putting out those types of candidates and that type of skill set. Just, I'm always curious of like when, you know, we always look at like we, the problems we have are now, but the solutions we need for them are much longer term. You know, when you hear that they've been doing that for 20 years and I would say arguably under the radar, I've heard it. I've had a few guests bring it up and they always say it in the context of like, we really have this like best kept secret here in, in Alberta, mainly to Albertans that don't even know it's there. I guess just curious on, do you have, did you get any insights as you worked with them a little bit more of who had the insight to really set that up and get that running 15 years ago, 20 years ago? It, 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 it's actually a pretty easy answer. It was actually the government. Okay. As much as much as we want to sit like total market <laughs> capitalism, we're yep, cowboys. Totally. Like, so so really, what happened is we invested in AI when AI wasn't cool. So there was nice. there were always <laughs> That's, there, there, I always love a T-shirt. That's a T-shirt right there. <laughs> okay. We had always there's always breakthroughs in in like the 80s, 90s, and even going back further than that. Um, but the hardware wasn't there, and I'm grossly simplifying. So as, as technical those who are technical are listening, like. Uh, let me just simplify at least for the audience, right? Like, so you had this big boom, the stuff didn't work. And so for like the, from the early 2000s up until about five or six years ago, you were kind of in this, you know, this nuclear winter where, you know, AI wasn't yet ready for prime time because the hardware, like the, the, what you see in cloud computing, the compute, the storage, all the rest of that it just w wasn't ready. So now you're seeing the situation where, in a way, you're kind of dusting off these old algorithms. And so that's why you see so much of it come out of academia. And a lot of, of the big Silicon Valley tech giants then have gone through and essentially bought out or, I mean, they've hired these profs and essentially bought their way in to get the best in the world. And that happened right here in Alberta. So the first time that most people heard of AI in this province was when Google DeepMind set up shop in Edmonton which is kind of crazy when you think like the preeminent AI company in the world, Google buys them for like hundreds of millions of pounds. And what's the first outpost they open for their global domination, like in Edmonton, Edmonton right? Alberta. Well, I had uh, Tim Cruz, who's the head, I think the AI society in, 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 in Calgary. And he walked me through kind of like the late early fifties of where AI and kind of, you know, laid out the whole trough of disillusionment and all of those where, you know, you hear it and you think it's a very new technology where actually, no, it's just the stars are kind of aligning in the last, in the, in the last, you know, immediate history. Yeah. And, and, and there certainly are breakthroughs and there are things that are happening. Mm -hmm. The foundations really were laid decades ago. And, and, and so Canada is a, a punch is way above its weight class. So there's a, there's, there's a professor, Jeffrey Hinton, in Toronto. Uh, there's Gayoshi Abengio in Montreal. And then Edmonton has uh, Dr. Richard Sutton. Um, so Hinton and Bengio are, are, are the, some of the main driving force behind deep learning. So okay. just think of deep learning as like we're all like autonomous driving, where the cool stuff's have happening, like neural networks. Like this is like the, the bleeding edge. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of that has come out of Toronto and Montreal, at least the thought leaders. I mean, they 
kind of move down to the valley. And then Sutton and Edmonton uh, wrote, literally wrote the book on something called reinforcement learning, which many people think might be the next big thing. So you've got this pan-Canadian AI strategy of which, you know, out West, we do have one leg of that stool, uh, but that kind of gets into the Alberta story. That's a problem. Like to do this stuff, yes. you need lots of data, right? Well, and lots of the data exists in big companies and, you know, I, Hey, I love Edmonton, but there's not that many big companies, right? If you're going to succeed, at least with something with our model, we think you've got to be an Albertan company, not one just in Edmonton or, or just in Calgary. Like because of this accent of history, we had all this talent that came from the U of A. And so mm -hmm. we're trying to arbitrage or bridge that gap. And you guys, we talked earlier offline, you have offices in Calgary uh, and, and Alberta. And what, where's the, and how big is your team? Let's kind of just, let's, let's paint a picture around who you guys are. Yeah, we're, we're about 80 on the team right now. Uh, you know, the majority still in Edmonton. We've got, uh, you know, about a dozen in town right now, uh, but hopefully scaling up to be 50. Well, hey, uh, I could have told you my, my hiring plans in Calgary pre-COVID versus post-COVID, <laughs> right? But, yes, uh, you know, we're, we're in the Edison. We're uh, the floor just below Mob Squad. And uh, for those, those who know the Edison, so, uh, but the, the, the main focus for our expansion now, we've, we've got a Toronto office open where we've got a handful of people there. But, you know, most of the headcount as we grow through here in the fall, I mean, we're looking to, to, to add people in, in Calgary. So from a talent, I've talked to other companies around tech and around, you know, the talent gap that you always hear about and where we've got all this skilled labor over here, but yet we still have a talent gap over here. What I'm hearing from you from coming out of the education system, have you had a challenge with talent? Like, have you outpaced the supply demand kind of cycle around that for, for your growth? Because you guys are relatively like you're two and a half years old. So everything is, I'm sure, a learning curve. All Like every week is a learning curve for you guys still? Yeah, it it. it the answer on the talent side is really what, what roles are you talking about? Um, yeah. you know, so if you want to hire a person with a master's mm -hmm. in, in machine learning uh, with a few years experience, I would argue that Edmonton's probably the easiest uh, place in on one of the easiest places on the planets to get that, those type of people. Right. Um, now it's hard to find really experienced people in, in machine learning anywhere. Right. Right. Um, you know, but, but Calgary is pretty deep in terms of, I mean, there, there, there's a small number of people that have had, um, you know, within some, some of the large companies that are, are, are really amazing. Um, but I, I think where we actually suffer is more on the business side. Um, it's, it's the product rules. It's the you know, software sales, right? Like when we've been selling resources for decades and taking a price on that, we just naturally don't have that 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 business development professional who's used to selling to enterprise software companies. Just a different skill. Yeah. Okay. It's when you start broadening out the skill sets, not necessarily the guys behind the scenes, but who's in the front office out there, the on the business side. That's interesting. And is have you for your company have you been able to attract or have you gone out like on a broader scale to try to bring people into Western Canada from even the states or other parts of Canada around that? Yeah. You know, our our, our head of product came up from Austin. Like, okay. and, and Calgarians are kind of like, you came to Calgary from Austin, he, like literally, I mean, he, he, he knew a guy around town and, and said he wanted to get out of the heat. So yeah, last winter, he literally hopped in his Tesla and drove up in the winter and drove up to Calgary and he, and, and, and he's, and he's working with us here now. Right. So, you know, 
Calgary's got such a high standard of living and such a great place to live. I think we discounted a little bit, you know, being close to the mountains, being close to all these pieces of, you know, we bandied around, you see it sort of on the economic development stuff a little bit, Mm -hmm. you see the ads and that, but it's real, right? Like, and we're winning, we're winning uh, bidding wars as well in Toronto because, you know, I always joke around with my team. If I'm in my twenties, I probably want to be in Toronto. If I'm in my 30s and I've met that special someone and I actually want to own a house, well, Alberta's looking pretty good. Yeah, especially if, if Toronto, Vancouver, you know, I know Montreal is still coming back. I, I grew up in Montreal, so I have a soft place for that, but I haven't lived there for 20 years. So I haven't been in this cycle of my life purchases living in Montreal, but I certainly know enough people in Vancouver and Toronto and the barrier to entry in your early 30s is incredibly high. <laughs> I mean, for a million bucks, you're living Burlington, Hamilton, right? <laughs> yes. Like, you and, know, you're, and you're spending three, four hours in your car every day. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. Definitely. And, and, and so all of a sudden you go, what, what are you going to, you know, for a million bucks in Calgary right now, it's looking pretty damn good. So <laughs> yeah, actually, your five minute, your five minute or six minute walk to downtown probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've actually won some bidding wars from people actually want to move Toronto, move back out West. Uh, so we think okay. that could be an advantage as well. Um, you know, at any time, okay. like, listen, it's, it's hard to get great people in any industry ever. I mean, that's the name of the game is trying to attract the best people and convince them of your vision. And, and I mean, really half the job of an entrepreneur is to sell them on some crazy, you know, some, some crazy goal or whatever and tell them to come along for the ride, right? Like that's, that's your job. I, I look at some of the success stories. I look at the, at the Soliums, at the Benevides, uh, uh, at the RS Energies. I look at, um, you know, companies like Absorb, uh, and then with Simend as well, with their massive mm-hmm. raise just recently. I mean, they're going to hire 100 people by the end of the year, they've said, right? But you look at the number of, you know, like RS Energy, a lot of people don't realize it. I think the number is like a couple hundred, like 250 people they've added over the last few years in Calgary. I, don't quote okay. me on those numbers. I mean, yeah, I know. I, I don't know the number either. I just, I know of it, but that's all I know about it. along those lines, right? So anybody that says you actually can't do it in Western Canada, I call BS on, right? Because like you see these other firms that are doing stuff that's world-class. Um, and I know that term gets bandied about quote unquote world-class, but like yeah. Benevity is, right? They, they are, right? And uh, w- whatever they're at. Well, when you look at a lot of these companies, you look at where their clients are, that that to me defines the world-class. Like if your customers are all over the world and they're coming to little old Alberta to find their service provider, to me, there's your there's your bar. Exactly. And But, but there you go. Like, so so that's the future of this province. Can't we build software that we're selling around the world in US dollars and, you know, mm-hmm. be able to actually live at a low cost living with a super high quality of life and, you know, comparably disposable income wise, hopefully we can actually create jobs where you're getting paid among the top in the world after adjusting for the cost of living, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's possible. Well, well, I think there's a lot of people that are betting on it right now. That's even part of why we started this show is to get these kind of conversations out there and even expose people to the idea that there is other things going on. And I don't say that facetiously. Like, if you don't know, the headlines will get dominated by what's happening. You know, I had, uh, I don't know if you know Nicholas Beek from Helsum. And I asked him, I said, Nick, if you're going to build a dashboard of like what, what would let you know Calgary's in going in the right direction? What would you, what would be on it? He goes, well, first thing is somehow we don't care about oil and gas headlines anymore. And I laughed because you're like, how do we get some room for these other things to get a little bit is, you know, stop putting so much focus on one and elevating the other without saying, you know, everyone needs to show up at the table going, going forward, but let's make a little bit more room. I think to overgeneralize. Yeah. There, well, and so I, I might, uh, I kind of diverge with some of my entrepreneurial cohort where I, I'm certainly not anti oil and gas or anti energy. I, I mean, 
I, I wish we could just ban the word diversification. Like we, <laughs> we see as much opportunity in, in, in oil and gas, in ag, right? In construct. I mean, because our whole business is taking data sets from all the traditional industries in this province and trying to build software to basically improve the the business processes, improve how decisions are made. So for us, like, you know, there's no AI industry. You're doing AI for healthcare or financial services or for oil and gas. So, so again, my, but not, notwithstanding, I mean, you're, you're right. Like we, you know, that I think we can have both, like, can't we have a strong, energy industry as well as other jobs in tech, right? Like I, I would argue that we should be the center of AI and and energy. I mean, right now Houston's winning, frankly, but that's okay. I was I was going to ask who's got yeah you beat me to the t- you beat me to a couple questions like who's got the title now? What would and what are they doing that? Uh, why do they have the title and we don't? I guess to oversimplify, it's question. capital. I think. Okay. I mean there there's a there's a number of of really great companies that started in Calgary that all of a sudden you see them raise their series A or their series B and they do it in Houston and there's a US CEO. Yeah. And Sorry, man, like that that where do you think jobs are going to be created? Like where yeah, where, where where do you think the rest of the management team is going to be built, right? And and it's transitioning that those investors to be able to not right because we're really good at investing in in real estate and in oil and gas you know all the things that have traditionally been in the province right but it's different trying to invest in a tech company than trying to invest in a junior absolutely with what I was going to ask that because the question which I kind of from past guests think I know the answer to but always open to it 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 doesn't feel like it's a lack of capital it's just what capital believes and how capital is used to operating here, that that's the transition we're on. And are, in the last five years, are you seeing it move? Are you seeing trends? Are we, are, we, are we optimistic that capital is becoming more comfortable with a different type of uh, opportunity? Uh, so there, there's one reason I'm, I'm especially optimistic and that's CDL. So I, I, for, mm-hmm. for those who haven't heard of CDL, it's Creative Destruction Labs. Um, think of it as it's, it's kind of this mesh between mentorship um, an accelerator. Um, I mean, the whole purpose of this is to basically try to build massively scalable companies. And it started out of Toronto. It's a real Canadian success story. Um, CDL Rockies is out of Calgary. And there's been a really great group of uh, some of the most influential families in Calgary were among the founders. Uh, and and it was all a big piece of it is, is, is just that it's going, how do you actually learn to invest in this different space? Or how do you, how do you build those networks of trust so that you go, Hey, you know what, if I know this guy and, and I know if he does his due diligence, then I could put some money into the, in terms of that deal as well. And, mm-hmm. and once you build those networks of trust and you know that, um, it, it's nothing new, this is the same thing that's existed for decades in the province. We just need to expand that out to be in this new sphere. Well, and formalize it and institute, give it some structure so it can move into different areas. They just did it. What was the announcement this week that they opened up that they're adding in an ag division? Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and, I saw that. I saw that earlier this week. And I mean, you talk about an industry to be in. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm as bullish on health and ag. But uh, you know, after this pandemic, the uh, I, I think food security and you know, obviously the local movement was already gaining a lot of steam before this, but mm-hmm. people just wanting to know where what's happening with their food and where it's going and, and, and how we actually use data to make better decisions. Uh, I think ag is going to, I think ag tech is going to be an amazing growth area over the next five or 10 years. 
And again, if you're going to start a company in, in AI using ag data, like what better place than Alberta? Like we've got some natural advantages there. We've got all the people who are the experts, right? Like, you know, you can't replicate uh, the, the, the thousands and thousands of petroleum engineers that are out there that have decades worth of experience in the space. Like that domain knowledge, when you combine that with the data scientist, that's when the mm-hmm. magic happens. When you get that health researcher that's been doing um, uh, breakthrough research on it and, and has all that, you know, knows about that, that deep, deep research in the medical sphere, it's really putting that together and, and, and understanding what can be done then when, you, when they talk to the data scientists, when they understand what machine learning can do, because no one can be an expert in all these areas. It's bridging those gaps between. And that's what I'm hearing is really that pairing. And even going through your website, I was like, I, got, I walked away with the impression of how agnostic you were about, hey, we bring this toolkit, but we need to partner with different industries, understand their problems, understand what they're doing. It had a very agnostic feel to it which I liked because it, it it felt like the opportunity of partnering and going into different industries or different sectors with that pseudo expert you talked about was really, that's what it required to make it work, which I think sometimes there's that misnomer of running around with technology trying to solve a problem, which I've heard that analogy before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to go, you got to go in and listen. You got to go in and, and at least this is our, our thesis, right? We go in and uh, we don't actually think that our business model will exist five years from now because we're going in like... Think of once, right once, the, once, the, once the level of sophistication increases. Well, well, no, it's not so much that. It's, it's that the, the platforms will be built. Like if, uh, if, you, okay. if you think of us like imagine AI and, and business now to the internet and communication circa 94, 95, right? Like, you know, it not, it's not even that Uber hasn't been invented. There's no iPhones. There's no Google, right? Yeah, I can remember doing web design work back then. You needed like five guys to be able to actually, you know, put some code together. Do it. I mean, what what I sold for fifty thousand dollars on a website, my son can be who's eleven years old can kind of bang off, you know, himself. Right? Yes. Right. So <laughs> again, a simplified example, but it's going to go deeper and deeper. Where at a certain point, you're not going to talk about AI software. Just all software will be driven with data at the core, and. And so our thesis is that the platforms will be built over these years. So you're right. We're, we're sort of agnostic right now in terms of, we definitely have some focus areas that we want to get into. Uh, um, but it, it's kind of the wild west where companies are trying to take that first step. Like there's a ton of AI happening in, in the Valley and in, in Beijing and, and, you know, in, with big tech, but I think in, in, in many industries, it's still a little bit, uh, you know, more smoke and I'd say smoke and mirrors is the wrong say, but it's, it, it's, the, the, it's, it's, it's early days. It's early days. The, the joke is, is, is AI is the new, like, you know, you know, you know, teenage sex, right? It's like, you know, there's lots of talk going on. There's lots of talk, but you know, again, it, it, uh, Oh, the possibilities, the times we're going to have. <laughs> I've never heard it quite, com- that, I've never heard it quite compared that way. <laughs> exactly. Is this public? Are there people listening to this? Is I, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, hundred percent. This is PG. If you don't like it, you can turn If you get offended, you can turn it off. You're an adult. It's okay. It's up to you. I'll put a PG 13 on this one. It'll get even, it'll double the downloads. Uh, I'll rate it. I'll, I'll rate it in our episode. Uh, hey, just curious, the Calgary Edmonton perspective, obviously you worked in both cities. You know, I heard you say that, you know, obviously a future opportunity and a lot of growth opportunity in Calgary. Do you see different companies coming on board with interest? Like, is it, 
are they as different sometimes as people like to portray them to be? As I'm not an Albertan, I am now and I'm proud to be one, but I moved here and I inherited, I inherited this Calgary Edmonton thing. I grew up in Montreal, so we had Montreal Toronto thing. I moved here, but the more people I talk to from Edmonton, there is differences and there's similarities in your business as you're working in through the two cities. Is there anything that jumps that you see as glaringly different, like a level of openness, certain industries that are just more prevalent in Edmonton? Is it is it where we're just all Albertans trying to figure this out? I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of BS, right? Like, it, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's just, hey, you know what? I hate the flames. I'll always hate the flames. Everybody, you know, you know, when I say this, always I, comes down to their goddamn sports team. You know, Screw those guys. <laughs> everybody in our Calgary always hates the Oilers, right? You know, and 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 but like who cares about the sports side of it, right? I think that so much of it has come. Oh, now we're gonna get in trouble. Now you just now you went and did it. <laughs> hate hate mail. First time I've gotten hate mail for my podcast. It's weird, right? Last last time we let an Edmontonian talk. No, I, I, I I've heard what once you get trolls, you know you've made it as a as a public figure. So I'm good. Bring it on. Someone can attack is fine. <laughs> like, you know, I, I Alberta's such a small place, right? Like no no one no one across the planet gives a crap about Alberta, right? You know, and you know, and and I think part of it is like, but we've got this you know, whether you want to call it that entrepreneurial DNA or whatever it is that, you know, about this place, like, I think that's this, I mean, there's differences between Edmonton and Calgary. And obviously there, there's, there's some element of the government town side of it, but by mm-hmm. and large, I mean, we're all just the same people. And, and I think if we can actually band together and talk about Alberta, I think we'll all be better off. Um, I mean, there's four and a half million people in this province, right? Like that doesn't even make town status in many parts of China, right? Like, you know, yeah. we're a very small <laughs> place, right? So, so, yeah. so there's no sense in like our competition is not Calgary. Our competition is it, it's, it's in Shanghai, right? It's in New York, yeah. right? It's, it's in Berlin, right? And so, I mean, listen, it's, it's easy for me to say that, I guess, uh, you know, for our business, I mean, we, we need both sides of it. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I, uh, I think that, that, that in the AI space, because of that data piece, um, you know, we really need to build that kind of like figurative pipeline down highway too. And so the amount of time that we have to spend back and forth and across the management team, you know, like there, there's some massive advantages if you can be operating from both cities, cause there's, there's really, there's positives in each area. Um, right. anyway, that, that's a, that's a long answer. I, I, I I think that there's actually been a lot on the way to actually build bitter connections. Like the A100 has done a ton. Um, Terry mm-hmm. Rock over at Platform has been building uh, bridges into uh, uh, Innovate Edmonton. Um, in the tech space, it's different because we're not fighting over a piece of land or a, a, a specific, uh, you know, a specific construction deal or like you're, there's not the same competition or same combativeness that there is in in, in other, in, in like more traditional industries. So there's more opportunity for partnership, right? Like I don't view anybody else who's in AI in Calgary as competition or like the, the average AI startup, right? Like I've heard that, I've heard that right. from a few, from a few guests that because that just, it's such a, it's such an early stage industry and it's so young, it's more like, Hey, what are you working on? And what are you working on? And how can we collaborate and cross benefit each other versus fighting over like insert whatever thing after I've had a few guests mention that, which I've also had guests on from Silicon Valley. They said, you know, there's a lot more of an inclusive mindset down there that got things going. If you go back even 20 years ago, it's even now more so everyone is quicker to pull together a little bit than they see here is what I've had a couple guests from the outside talk about. Well, well yeah. And, and from a, from, from a talent point of view, 
the best ecosystems have that base of companies so that, I mean, you, you want there to be dozens, if not hundreds of companies you could work for, right? Yeah. So, so if, if we, if we train an ML engineer and, and he or she, uh, uh, is a rock star and then and then gets a job as a senior over at one of the, one of the uh, you know one of the big firms in in Calgary. That's a win. That means we're doing something internally, right? And there's that that movement across the ecosystem is healthy. So we've actually worked uh, uh, both in Edmonton and Calgary with other firms in terms of banding together to say, hey, like, can we bring up? Uh, uh, you know, one thing we did was we, we brought a, up a group from the Valley to do on the product side because product we're, we're, we're especially weak in terms of product management in, in this province. And, and so like a bunch of companies in, in Edmonton ourselves, we all, you know, threw the hat around and put in a bunch of money and we supported a bunch of other students You go like, listen, we need people to be trained up to understand the, the, the this piece of understand this discipline. The more we know that's actually going to benefit all of us because we're not, we're not in competition with, like, you know, we mentioned the Benevides or the Soliums, like, you know, they're, yeah, we might employ the same type of people. So I guess you compete on the soft, you know, on, on the talent side, but it's really not. It's, it's about, we need a dozen more Benevides, not less. Right. And is there, is there also a tendency in, in the tech industry for people to need, like almost it's necessity for them to move around to new, learn new skills and new perspectives and not stay in that same role for as long. I've had people say that like that are in the job, just even conversations like I want to work for two or three years at one place. And then I want to use that, go somewhere else, learn, maybe come back, maybe go somewhere else that flexibility to just get exposed to, because with new technology, there's so much learning that's going to happen by just working in the, doing the thing. Completely. Well, and, and, and we've tried to build our whole culture around that. So, the, I mean, the nature of our, like we're, we're at our core, we're a venture studio. So as we're going and we're trying to spin off various products that could become companies unto themselves. And, and I mean, if you go around and ask anybody on our team, we've said to them, listen, you want to go start your own business? We're, you have our full support. If you go and you, you, you know, recruit the best people that you've been working with here, go off and, and feel free to poach them on the condition that we can be that sort of first investor, Right. I was like, there's got to be an asterisk on there well, somewhere, Corey. That sounded, that sounded pretty good. That, like the best people are going to want to have that flexibility. So if you can put to it together the right financial incentives along that, because like you say, so so maybe you go off and and in two years, that thing, it's a gigantic hit and it sells out to to Google. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, you, your team, you know, they're, they're worth millions of dollars and you can go do it again. And then all of a sudden there's a new group of angel investors or maybe it doesn't work out and they come back and there's another project. I think it's, it is more common because of the short cycles within tech. Uh, you know, your, your, your previous comment I think is bang on of that. You need that variety. You know, we even see that in our team across data science projects. It, it, it's great to be able to jump in and be able to work on something in health, you know, and then maybe something in, 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 in ag, or then something else that is, is maybe in financial services. As you can see a variety of different projects, as long as they have purpose to them, and as long as they aren't evil, um, you know that variety I think is a huge advantage. The more you talk, the more it, it just doesn't make sense to think of it as you know this population, that population. You've got to think of the private. You know, I've had a couple of guests on recently. They're like, we've got to if we're going to compete, we need our four and a half million population working together, not against each other, because that's the the, the competition out there are much you know they're much better staffed. <laughs> you know, just from a sheer volume perspective to start looking at it. Is there anything that's 
besides weird cultures and sports teams and all kinds of fun stuff like that, is there anything at a, like a government level, municipal level that gets in the way of those kind of collaborations? And I'm just fishing here because I'm curious. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going into this question with an agenda of an answer. <laughs> I, I guess first statement is that, you know, we shouldn't look to the government first in terms of, of what's going on in the entrepreneurial scene, right? That said, there certainly are things that the government policies that can be put in place that definitely impact it. And, and, and I would say that the biggest thing right now is we've got a brand problem. Uh, you know, uh, there, the numbers came out, and this is from CBC a few months ago, they had this, like wh- where there's an exodus of early 20s from, from both Calgary and Edmonton that are... Yes, I remember that post that day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, so I don't think it's just anecdotal. I think it's legit. That brand problem, it, it, it's, it's where you want to settle down. It's capital that's coming in. It's all these other areas. So, so I think there are uh, broad policy decisions that can be made. And, and you know, full disclosure, I've been on you know, a number of, 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 of government of Alberta committees. And, and, and I, I've been really, again, I, I get shit over this as well when, when, when all of a sudden I say, like, actually, th- there's been really responsive listening. I mean, we've been going through a tough time, but I, I think it's an education in terms of how this industry is different. The intangible economy is different than the tangible economy. So I'll give you an example of that. Um, if there's if there's a deal that come in for a petrochemical facility or like a, a, a big investment up in Fort Mac, you know, a, hundreds of million dollars or a billion dollar investment, whatever it is, th- that physical good. There's all sorts of spinoffs that come around from that, the jobs and all those other pieces. Well, it's tied to that mm-hmm. one spot. You can't move an oil sands, sands mine. By definition, it's going to be there. Now, now think of it in terms of if you just tried to entice a bunch of, whether they're Chinese or American, or it doesn't matter, big tech. Say, say we invite mm-hmm. them to come in. Well, in the intangible economy, your, your assets by definition are, are intangible. You don't, they, they don't necessarily need to reside in Alberta. So right. you might come in and you might create a bunch of jobs and there's some tax revenue, but the true value of a Google is its IP, the true value. And that's all going to be owned at the mothership. Yes. So, so you can't attract companies the same way as you do in traditional businesses. It just means it's a different mindset. Um, so what that means is that we actually need to build it from the ground up. What we need is more Shopify's. We need companies that actually have their headquarters here that are Canadian in nature, because that's when you actually get the true value. If that intangible is owned here and doesn't flow out. And, and so, and not to go too long down this diatribe of government policy and this and that as everybody falls asleep, but <laughs> no, there's certainly been an openness to learn. I've been very impressed by, by, by a number in the government that, um, I, I would say that there, in my opinion, I think there's some mistakes that were made in terms of certain, you know, cutbacks that were made in the first budget. Um, but, you know, it, I'm really optimistic that we're actually on the right path because they have been listening to another number of us in the ecosystem. And, and, and if we can actually fix and put some of those steps together on the policy flank, then, you know, hopefully that relates to a better brand than you start more of a virtuous cycle versus that negative yep. toilet bowl. And is that, you know, obviously you sound optimistic that that, because I know those changes take time and obviously governments are on, you know, for cycles of, of kind of dealing with elections in and outs and that and kind of thing. They, there's this whole it's, pandemic it's, thing too that they, I think they were. Well, there is, I know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, that's the, I don't want to just put, that's the obvious excuse. I don't want to bring, I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> 
that is that is yeah very real. We've had we've had other things to focus on, but the reality is the economy is not it's not going to fix itself. To not say an overly obvious obvious statement. So to hear that from your it does there sounds like there's some optimism there and like first first way to solve problems with dialogue. Second is usually with action or somewhere quickly after that. So from your perspective, you see us moving in a better direction from a policy perspective. Things that'll actually entice and encourage businesses to start here, grow here, or or come here, depending like Canadian-based companies. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm optimistic, and 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 all the signs point to that direction. And I'm not, I'm not really a political guy. Uh, you know, I've been sucked into it in a bunch of these areas here, just because just mm-hmm. the nature of our business. It's so, you know, like we would not have this opportunity if it weren't for investments that Alberta innovates and the government of Alberta made 20 years ago. Yes. So, you know, you know, whatever your political leaning is, like, you, and and frankly, I would say, like, hey, the oil sands wouldn't be built if it weren't for coordination between, you know, the research that would happen at the U of C and the U of A. You know, yep. academia, you know, combined with the right government policies, combined with the private sector, you need all three, and and so if we can get all three swimming in the right direction, then then we've got an opportunity. But we can't be doing it like the ecosystem's so nascent as it is. Like we can't be putting policies in place that you know, make us the least competitive environment for R and D and for tech in, in North America. Like we're already starting from, you know, right. So <laughs> well, like, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> right. Um, but, but, but anyway, like I said, so there's, there's lots of reasons to be positive and, and, and I've been, uh, I, I've been pleasantly surprised and I think there will be more. I mean, I can't talk about some of the things just because again, I've been on a bunch of these areas, but there's lots of reasons to be up. And Hey, if you're not optimistic, like, I mean, you think about the times, and I know it's been tough over the last last while here. But you know, we look in our at our business and the opportunity. Um, there will be more opportunity in the next year or two than there would have been in in five or ten years beforehand in, in a lot of spaces. Because now, all of a sudden, we're just reinventing everything. Like now is the greatest yeah, every, time. Every, everything's up for grabs, right? Like, how are we going to invent the reinvent the? You know, like how are you how are we going to have ESG at the core of of our energy business? How are we going to reinvent agriculture? How healthcare? I mean, the big healthcare could be the intersection of health and AI. I think is the next billion dollar business in this province, and there's no okay. And so here's what a lot of people don't realize this, like they're Alberta or AHS, you know, has four and a half million people under one health authority. And so as much as we're a small population, that's actually a pretty decent size health authority because it's so consolidated. Like in most places, it's all. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. So, so you've got amazing researchers on the health side. You've got world-class data science talent. You've got this health threats there. On paper, we have everything. Now, this is where there might be a little bit of red tape. Yeah, so, we use yeah, yeah. So what? So so what? What's the what's the rub? What, where? What's the friction? If well, let's put it this way: if you could go with your red tape scissors and cut out some of the friction that would would maybe is or isn't holding us back from that, how would we pave that road to to optimize on the things you just said? Because like you said, we've got the, the the ingredients for the cake are sitting on the counter. I, I think we we need more visible wins. You know, we need more companies in the space to actually go. the The only way we're at, we're going to solve our problems in, in healthcare is to actually see this being used and to realize like this isn't just evil robots and the Hollywood version of stuff, right? Like it's hey, can can you actually you know you know put together tools that actually give 
you know, take data that you maybe previously didn't give a signal that actually helps a clinician make a better decision or, or a be, yeah, have a better treatment pathway. I mean, that's how we're going to save hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in the healthcare system, right? That's, we're not, we're not going to get there by cutting nurses or cutting doctors. No, and we're also no. not going to get there by spending another $5 billion. Like we don't have that $5 billion to spend, right? So technology is the only option. Yeah, when you hear some of the decisions that are being made, and obviously I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want that job to make some of those decisions. But you're trying to solve a modern challenge with an old school strategy of just cutting people. I'm like, that, I, guys, where are we? That's not going to get us there. Like, one, it doesn't have enough impact. Two, it actually lowers the quality of the whole deliverable. If you think about the customer in that in that story, so, versus what I heard loud and clear for you, the customer experience is going to improve. Well, yeah, and and, and which is ideally the whole point. And right? For clarity, everybody tells me that I'm an idiot trying to go into health, right? Like I, I, th I think it's the area where we're going to make the most impact and will be the most profitable. I think it's the most purpose. So, but uh, I mean, everybody says, Hey, you're just naive. You haven't been in the system for 20 years. You don't know that it can't be done. And, but, but that's why I'm saying why I'm so optimistic right now. So, so, so let me get, let me get an example with COVID. So all these virtual visits previously, you couldn't really do. So there was these temporary billing codes that were put into place, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And and that's not just in Alberta, that's all across. I, I'm, I don't want to talk too too specifically about things. But okay. But hey, now, we're, this is all about Alberta right now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, okay, so it is. I'm just I'm just trying to not throw people under the bus that we gotta work with completely, right? Like just friendly, <laughs> like a friendly throw. I, I, I no, I appreciate a little bit of politics. So so, so <laughs> everywhere across, but especially here. So now that people realize you can do a whole bunch in a different way, how are we gonna go back? Like in Alberta and across the North America, will we just say, oh, you know what? Well, we said for years, we can't possibly do things virtually. We can't do it. And now all of a sudden, there's been so much yep. to change the last three months. So, so that's what I mean by more will change. Like right now, we're at one of those inflection points in history where those who actually want to make things better can move really, really quick. And it's not that it's always going to be easy, but if there's ever a chance to get it done, I think it's now. And healthcare, I, I understand why people might call you out for, you know, anyone I know who's tried to, and I have some companies, even in my executive group, I got a gentleman there. Uh, do you know Rohit Joshi from BrightSquid? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Rohit's in my tech group. Okay. So I've sat around many tech tables and not to talk out of school, discussing how he helps move this solution forward. He's, so he's seen the he, pain of the regulatory side. Yeah. Y y yes, he, yes, he has. Right? And I've, I've sat there and, you know, held him in my arms as he expressed it with the rest of the group. But you know, arguably, a solution that all of a sudden became top of mind immediately when COVID hit, with the I think an incredibly valuable solution that they have to offer. But they've had some legit challenges of trying to move that through the system. Exactly what you're—that's immediately who I was thinking about when you were talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and don't get me wrong; I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but like there should be a hundred more companies like his, right? And and there's no right. reason why 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 it can't be here if if we've got a desire to say it's a cultural thing as well. Right. And say like, how do we actually use technology to do things better? There's a red tape aspect of in terms of being able to open up data sets, open up data sets in, uh, in an ethical and safe way. And I, I use ethical in like the health definition term, right? Or like, you know, we're not, so, so in AI and health, no one really know, you can't really get, add a whole lot of benefit in knowing your name, right? But if you can get aggregate anonymized data, that can help make better decisions. So there's actually a way right. to set up a framework where you respect privacy, but you also have the right tools so that you can make clinicians can make better decisions. Um, you know, almost every one of our projects is a tool that like it doesn't, 
we, we have this one project, uh, it goes to detecting um, colon cancer. And whenever we start talking about this, people freak out because they think that we're turning over their healthcare to a bot. But it's really not. It's I won't get into the esoterics of the use case, but essentially these pathologists are are working on uh, on identification. Uh, you know, when they're looking at the slide, and sometimes they don't have enough information to actually understand what's or to actually make the diagnosis. So they got to send it back to the lab tech, or you got to get another slide, or it kind of can ping pong back and forth. Meanwhile, you're just like, dude, I just want to know, do I have colon cancer or not? Right. So <laughs> yes, it's a, that's a critical thing to know if you're suspicious. <laughs> kind of want to know. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so can, you, can you help that clinician make a better decision, right? You're changing the workflow workflows through so that you're cutting down time and getting rid of a bunch of the grunt work, but that professional is still in control. Now, so that professional, hopefully he or she can make more money quicker or whatever, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. that, you know, understanding that it's just building tools to, to, to assist people to either get rid of grunt work or, you know, be able to make a better decision. It's less sexy than the Hollywood definition of AI, but in reality, mm-hmm. that's all it is. Sorry, but you touched on a few things there around AI, the privacy, you know, concerns. You also talked about who's going to lose their job in that scenario. Like there's a lot of interesting fears that come up when you start. And I, I think a lot of it, we've learned so much from Hollywood. And let's be honest, it's, <laughs> it's I don't think it's the best education source out there, but sci-fi is, is a teacher for sure. You know, those questions start to come up around AI. So even, you know, not to go too far off the healthcare route, because I think this is an interesting uh, kind of theme we're on. But do you get that pushback a lot around some of those fears, like privacy? Obviously, you've talked about. But what about you know job loss or AI is going to take my you know take take my job away, like AKA the grunt the grunt work? Yeah, and you know the it it I think you're 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 naive to say that it isn't a massive societal issue. So in certain areas, so so I think it's overblown in others. Like I. I think in, in the case of many professionals, it'll be a situation where um, like the, the query is like AI won't replace doctors, but doctors who use AI will replace those who don't. Right. It's the yeah, combination. Okay. Yes. But you know, what? I've had a few guys that have you, talked you know, about the need for the need for literacy and the need to be working alongside these technologies is what's going to separate who stays and who doesn't. But if you're a, tr- if you're a long distance truck driver, like how many, how many of those do you think exist in 50 years? or 25 years or 10. And don't tell me that, you know, you know, when you've been driving truck for 30 years, you're just going to all of a sudden retrain and be a data scientist like that. That come on. So there, I think there's (laughs) like, we need to be real about this in terms of certain areas. And, and the further along that AI gets, there needs to actually be supports uh, for those areas that are dramatically affected. But you know, what's the alternative? And this is, it's not, the, AI is not unique. This is no different than if we went back a few hundred years ago, 99% of the population was working on the farm, right? And and if you go back a hundred years ago, then, uh, you know, what about all those people that were lost, you know, who are the switchboard operators? Well, mm-hmm. you know, you know, would we ever go back to a world where all of a sudden we have people literally routing our calls? So, you know, you, it's somewhere in the middle. Like there's got to be the supports we can put in place. The vast majority of cases that we see right now, they're actually people want to be able to be more productive. Right. And, and, and so, so there's actually quite a few jobs that are created from that. So when you look at the numbers, there's usually it's more sensationalist and and political side of it in in the headlines, right? Either the sky is falling or there's nothing to worry about. I think the truth is somewhere (laughs) in between. 
Okay. But the, the short, the short story also is that we do have time. Like this is coming. I've had a lot of guests talk about like, we haven't missed the boat yet, but we need to get going. If you've got kids that are in grade, you know, I had gentlemen on Dennis Cambitz from easy robot and talking about the need for just literacy around AI machine learning robotics. And he goes, if you're in grade eight or nine, if you're in grade 12, you're graduating, going to college, you're probably okay. Cause you're going to be in it as this transition comes in, but you're in grade seven or eight. And there's some things you need to be learning now because your world will be very different in seven or eight years than someone who's one or two years out. And he, it just really resonated with me of like, it's not too late, but we need to get on it. We need to get after it yeah. <laughs> now. Well, and, and I think we need to be at the forefront, right? Would we rather those tools and those systems that that are built, would we rather that those be built here that then we sell to the rest of the world? Or would we, would we rather be the farm team that you know, educates a bunch of data scientists and, 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 and engineers, and then has them leave and go off and build it somewhere else. So they can sell it back to us. Right. Like, I, I think yeah. there's, there's a question in terms of, of, of who we want to be as a country, who we want to be as a province. What do we, you know, what, where can we specialize? Where can we be the best? And, and, and I think that then that creates as much opportunity. So, that, I mean, th- that's, that's part of the reason why we started this business is that I, my, uh, have two kids that uh, are are still pretty young and, and we're looking going, man, what opportunity are they going to have in Alberta in 10 years unless things change? Right. L- like w- w- what, what do we have to do to make sure that that stat of the 22 year old who wants to move out, out East or wants to move to the States? You know, how do we make sure that they want to stay in Calgary? That that's mm-hmm. the most important question of business leaders and, and, and entrepreneurs today. I, I think uh, and, and so being part of that solution, building technology is, is the best answer I got, but I'm definitely open to listening. If you got better ideas, <laughs> not, well, I, fair, not, 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 not right at the second, but you, you said it like a question, like, are we going to choose to be this? or Are we going to choose to be that? Are we making that choice? I guess who, like, who's not making that choice now? And what, like, what needs to change? Like, cause I run, I talk to gentlemen like yourself, people that are actually doing the thing, pushing to make that kind of change. Is it happening? It's just, it's happening slowly and we need to get more people on board. And like, I guess where, where's the go, no go of this infamous. And I know it's you, it's for sake of conversation, but this decision that needs to be made to move in this direction, to be the leader, not the almost ran kind of, kind of, you know, geography. Yeah. Tyler, that's such a, it's such a good question. It, the, the, the issue that I have every day and, and, you know, my, my, my wife and my co-founder, Nicole, and I debate this all the time is, how much time should we spend on ecosystem related stuff, right? How much time should we spend on this piece of it? How much, you know, versus, you know, can you make the most difference by just building a really big company and, and, and the spinoff that comes from that, right? I mean, I think the answer is somewhere both, you you know, not trying to blame somebody else, I think is, is, is the first part of it, right? Like, let's look internally Mm -hmm. and go like, we might not all agree, but let's just say if, if you paint a picture of what we want Calgary to look like 10 years from now, if we at least have that vision in our mind and then you align with other like-minded people who say, like, yeah, you know what? Like we should be the world leader in health and AI. Um, you know, that's what gets me jazzed because, you know, you go through these really nasty COVID conversations and everyone, hey, uh, and, you know, like I, we've all had them right now, right? And, 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 and I'm going to go off tonight and have another one of those or whatever, right? Like you get for a beer and you talk <laughs> about, you know, is that person five feet away or six feet away, right? But like, you know, what's been, you know <laughs> yeah. what's been amazing in the last month? Conversations with people who maybe you wouldn't have otherwise talked to because you're on Zoom and you're talking about the possibilities and you're talking about, you know, what the future now looks like, or these, these other opportunities that have come from it. And it, it's almost like this, 
this juxtaposition of the negativity and, and, and yeah, like I don't want to, I, I definitely don't want to come across the wrong way. Like there's a ton of businesses that have like down 90% down, like lives have been destroyed. Yeah. Right. So I'm not minimizing that in the slightest, but we're going to come out of this. And, and I think the key is aligning yourself with others that have that same vision and then just getting to work. Right. So that might sound like be a simplistic answer, but like, I, I don't know, like we can sit here and complain or we could actually just build something. <laughs> just actually get shit done, which is very much an Alberta way of doing things. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a big advocate of don't waste a good crisis. And that's not designed to minimize anybody's pain, but we like, this has happened to us. It's how we respond. that makes a difference. I, and I think that, you know, I think there's a meme been floating around. You've probably seen it. I've seen it. You know, who's responsible for digital transformation at your company, CEO, CTO, CEO, COVID. That's a real thing. Like that's a real, you know, I'm sure. Have you guys had an increasing conversation since this thing, uh, since this thing, the, the COVID has kicked off of people like all of a sudden going, oh, well, that's elevated on the strap plan. That's elevated on this year's list of tactical items we need to start talking about. Nobody has, nobody is canceling their AI plan, put it that way. Uh, okay. Oh, all right. That's nice certainly, yep. you know, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize that we haven't been affected. You know, did we lose six months? Did we use nine months? Like, you know, still we'll see, but we've been impressed as well with some of our partners who really want to lean in and, and, and take that attitude and say, Hey, now's the time mm-hmm. to change. Now's the time to, to get better. So, so that certainly does, uh, that, that certainly has been a surprise in terms of, uh, you know, which organizations are going to be the ones that hunker back. And, and certainly some people have to hunker back, but uh, it's been surprising how many haven't. Yeah. Sometimes I, I watch the news and I hear the stories, but then I reach out and I talk to my contacts in business and I'm like, they're like, oh, it's not good, but you know, we're, we're managing. Like I, I hear more of that than I hear the, like, it's done, it's over, you know, we're losing everything. And I'm not saying that that isn't happening, but I find I'm more, people are almost surprised. Like, no, like, I think we're okay. And we're actually, you know, taking advantage of this situation. And there's a level of resilience that I've certainly run into that to me is very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Big question. If you have to pick a horse, which, you know, in business, you know, you, you said, you know, health, the healthcare trans, like transformational in healthcare, health tech, is there, oftentimes when I look at different parts of the world, there's either one sector or one industry that's embraced and really run forward. And, and, you know, and a jurisdiction becomes known for that in Alberta. Is it, you know, we we're known for oil and gas. If we were going to be known for something else, is it ag? Is it healthcare? Is it like, is it a couple things? Maybe you don't, not, not having to restricting you to pick one, but you did, you just certainly called out healthcare. It's five years from now and we're starting to get known on the world stage or at least North American stage for something other than oil and gas. What would you, what would you put your pick on? Let's have our cake and eat it too. So I think it's a, it's a dual pronged strategy where the traditional industries, so energy, ag, these keys, can't we be the 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 leaders in how technologies like AI change and disrupt those industries? Like, let's be the disruptors from Calgary, <laughs> you know, yes. like not get disrupted, right? How, ah, so, so I think that's on one piece. And then what we don't have yet that I, uh, that the, where I, th- I mean, I've already sort of said that I think there's the biggest opportunity is in health, right? So health tech. No, I, heard, I heard you loud. Health tech and 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 what you know the, the amazing the amazing people we have both at the U of C and U of A and other areas, uh, you know. So there's this data play with an AHS, but it 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 we're bringing some of the best and brightest from around the world in that space. Like when you look at uh, the specialties in, in Edmonton, there's diabetes and there's a lot of uh, really good brain stuff uh, in Calgary. I say brain stuff that you can tell how technical I am as a doctor. The doctors love it when you say, oh, what do you do? Brain stuff, right? But no, like there's, the, 
yeah, there's, there's, there's such amazing talent that we have. It's just putting the pieces together. So all the ingredients are there. Um, it's, it's, it's just dreaming it, dreaming big enough and, 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 and starting somewhere and just plowing away at it and just trying to build something, man. Yeah. <laughs> Any number one roadblock you would knock out of the way tomorrow. If, if you could, if you could wave your, you wear your entrepreneurial wand, <laughs> our Canadian mindset. Ooh, that's a big one. That's juicy. Please tell me more, sir. It's not just about, you know, the, the, they got the fail flat fast cliche in the States. And I think that is true, but you know, it's thinking of it in terms of how can we, uh, how, if the next generation of entrepreneurs wasn't thinking about selling to Google, but becoming the next Google. Mm, okay. So often we're the farm team. Uh, you know, talked about that analogy in terms of training people at our universities and then they go off and, and they build software somewhere else they can sell back to us. Uh, the, the one thing you got to give, you know, like I don't think we want to get rid of Canadian humbleness per se. Uh, you know, we don't, you know, it's not, we don't want arrogance. I think that's part of what makes us, makes us Canadian, but can we not maybe have some humbleness with a bit of swagger, right? Can we not, I like that. I'm with you on that point one. <laughs> of like, you know, how's that for sitting on the fence? Right. You know, <laughs> but, but why can't we, why can't we look and go, listen, we're a small country in terms of population, all these other measures, but we punch way above our weight class in a bunch of these areas. You know, who's going to start the next Shopify? Like right. there's no reason why it can't be done in Calgary or, 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 or Edmonton or a combo, or actually imagine a company that was in both cities and had the best of both. Yes. Let's, let's, let's just, let's just, let's go. I'm okay to call it Alberta. Like I'm okay to pivot this. Obviously collisions. Why do I see I've toyed around like, should I change it to just collisions, Alberta and really talk about what's all going on here on a broader, no, on a broader I mean, scale? There's so many great things happening in Calgary. I mean, you know, you got more than enough of beat to cover all the amazing things happening in Calgary, right? We need to, we need to spread the <laughs> totally. word because media is not covering a lot of these things as well. And so you've done a great job of shining a spotlight on this and, and more people Thank need you. to know what's going on because is, you know, when, when you look at whether it's the great work with uh, Dave Edmonds and Brad Zumwalt at the A100 and, and how they're mapping mm-hmm. out the ecosystem uh, uh, and, and, and really painting that vision for how we create, you know, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry or whether it's the CDLs or whether it's, you know, the stories of some of the family offices that have, you know, slowly but surely all of a sudden pivoted and now are making dozens and dozens mm-hmm. of tech investments instead of, in, and not just energy investments. Or, or you talk about the leadership of a, uh, of a uh, uh, Mac Man Willigan and and Mannix and Nancy Southern uh, uh, and Don Farrell and and the group at the Business Council of Alberta that's really saying, listen, let's get the biggest companies in the in the province geared around ESG, right? Like, let's tell the story because what we're doing here actually is the best from an iron environmental point of view. Let's tell the story about what we've got, you know, from a human rights perspective and everything that we, so like there's all these amazing things that are happening, but I think sometimes it's just too easy to sit there and, and, and when you're not exposed to it, you, you just resort to the negative. And, and then we all go on Twitter and then we all freaking yell at people and then we get mad. <laughs> you're saying that's not a productive strategy for moving things forward. What social media isn't making our lives better. What? <laughs> That is pretty much the summary of why we started the show. I'm like, how do we collide all of these good things that are going on with people that haven't heard about them and get people thinking about different ideas that aren't just the bleeding headline that we all see that gets our attention, right? Absolutely. But. Well, I, just, I, just on the, I, I just love the stuff that you, know, you, you look on Twitter. And, and I think we're, 
we're especially bad in this province at yelling at whether it's politicians or the politicians are yelling at each other. Calgarian, I mean, holy, don't get me started about the whole green line thing, man. Like, you, you know, I just need to turn off Twitter for a few days just because it, it, it just seemed like, so we would, ne- we would never actually have that sort of a conversation, whether it's face to face, never mind, you know, on know. the phone in real life, anything like that. So like, yeah, if we could just, if we could just all listen to your show and turn off Twitter, there you go. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, you know what? I'll, I'll take that plug all day long. <laughs> Corey, thanks for your perspective. Just like, thanks for having a good old fashioned chat. That is what this show is all about. And it's, uh, it's, it's about, you know, seeing where it's going to go. And we, you know, it, I think we're 59 minutes right, right on the dot and we covered, uh, we covered a lot of breath today. So I, I appreciate your time and what you're doing in the province. Hey man, appreciate, uh, uh, the, 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 the venue and, and, uh, really for those, if anybody actually made it through this hour of rambles, we'll see, but, uh, you know, like I, I think the main thing is, uh, p- p- ping on LinkedIn or reach out if there's someone that uh, I can help connect to, if there's, if there's any other awesome. things like that, uh, you know, there, there's lots of great resources, whether it's, it's entrepreneurs starting a business or, or anybody in the AI space. So let's help each other out and build something and, 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 and look forward to, to what, our, what, what our city and our province looks like in a decade. That's it. I, I will be. I will be here. We'll. We'll do. I'm going to pin a date for us. Ten years from now, we're going to do a follow up episode and see and listen to it first, and then see where we were right or where we were way off in left field. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. I appreciate it. <laughs>